0: Okay. Good morning from my side. Morning. I say, I say, right. Okay. Um, Yeah. So we've been busy with this message called the spirit of poverty. I know it's father's day, Uh, (laughs) but surprise, surprise. The message is going to end with the father. I didn't know. I completely forgot about father's day. Um, this morning, um, busy getting dressed, and all of a sudden the children come. Hey, it's Father's Day. I said, like, oh, 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 okay, <laughs> Father's Day, right? Completely forgot. Um, but and then it's so interesting to find that the, throughout the week, the way that the Lord was kind of leading me is that this message on poverty would end today or not end, next week we'll continue with the spirit of poverty, but it's taking us to a place of uh, the spirit of the Father. So, so I find it kind of significant that the Holy Spirit led us like that, not knowing, completely forgetting that it's Father's Day. Right. But anyway, um, as we have been Going through this message we 're hearing a lot of testimonies and uh, God is working and speaking in the hearts of people. other people are having experiences, some are finding it challenging we 're all experiencing the message on a different in a different way and and so it 's all fine, you know I think one of the one of the um, or advice I could give you, when you listen to this message, the first thing you should do, and to any message that you listen, is not to do, you know, but is to listen, and wait for the Holy Spirit to speak, so that when the Holy Spirit speaks out of the message, then your doing is driven by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, And so many times you know we can we can hear messages of certain things that we need to do and then we immediately go out and do and not seek understanding from the holy spirit right so um, so this is why the book of revelation says let him who has an ear hear what the spirit is saying so the the first goal of listening to a message that's being preached is to hear what the Spirit is saying, right? And I've, I've shown you in the message on cutting our way forward that, that it is not the information that you possess that makes you advance or increase or grow or move forward in Christ. It is rather the information that has been inspired, breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. And, and that is where the difference is. Because a message like this can make you, maybe, maybe for some put you under pressure, but it's not a pressure, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. And light does expose, but that's fine, right? And allow the Holy Spirit to just work within you. Amen? Okay? So tell the person next to you, open your heart. Open your heart, open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> All the husbands are saying, open your heart. Open your heart. <laughs> right? Anyway, let's get into this message. Right? I, I term this message, you know, the spirit of poverty, and, and when someone reads the, those words, the spirit of poverty, immediately someone can think of a demon, but I'm not necessarily referring to a demon or some unclean spirit, while in the first session we did show that, that principalities... Uh, spirits become principalities because of the majority of the people that have adopted the principles that have come from that spirit but when i use the word spirit of poverty i'm more talking about the mind the way the mind thinks right the attitude that you have in 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 life the way that you approach things your emotions that you experience, um, even your behavior, and that, those things that come from poverty. And in my first session, I told you that, that poverty does not, when I use the word poverty, we might immediately think of the poor physically. But this message is not speaking only to the physically poor. It is also speaking to those who are poor internally, right? And there is a poverty that you experience inside, and there is a poverty within your soul, but there is also a poverty that you can experience within your spirit, right? And these are, they are so, so it's speaking to all of us, right? So don't let the word poverty fool you or make you think, Right? I, I'm not. I'm speaking to all of us. This message is even, um, even challenging me, right, where I find myself. And sometimes things and certain um, new levels that you want to go in experiencing God and His provision, this message challenges you because it's not just speaking to the physically poor, it's speaking to the way that you have adopted over the years right and so just to show you that the scripture says in the book of revelation you say you are rich and you have need of nothing but you do not know that you are poor miserable and wretched blind right so so there is a physically you are better off but internally you have been affected by poverty Right? And so that's why this message is not to the physically poor, those who are poor materially. right? It is to all of us. and we want to understand, and we want to live in the full wealth of God, the wealth that is internally, the wealth that is supposed to be experienced in our spirit, in our soul and in our body, right? And so, and this is, and, and this is what we want to experience. The Bible says, may you prosper as your soul prospers. So your soul can also prosper. Consider Isaiah 55 where he says, come buy from me bread and so on. And then he says, your soul shall be made fat. Right? So there is an enriching of the soul. Um, and these type of scriptures that we see and then we come, come across that, that there is a wealth to be experienced both internally and externally. Right? Are you all with me? So remember the spirit of poverty is I'm talking about the internal, the mindset, um, the emotions, the attitudes, the responses to life situations, behaviors, your belief, the mind, right, the deep thought within you, right, that creates uh, a blindness. And so, sometimes these things come from the um, having experienced physically poverty, right, the physical side. And so, and I, I would, I would call that the effects of cultural poverty or the situational poverty that you've had, experienced. Remember, there are different types of poverty. I listed at least about 13. And the last five or so was those that I added from which I discovered. There are different types of poverty. Remember, situational, relative, there's urban, there's rural, there's many, right? And, And so when we have the experience... And there was, a, there was a list that I did on the physical side. When we have the experience of poverty on the physical side, there are things that happen to us, right? And so the effects of cultural poverty is, when we talk about culture, we are talking about habits, right? We are talking about a way of life, the way people. We're talking about the traditions that the people have developed, right? The belief Culture also talks about the belief, the ideas, right? These are all things that are included in the word culture. When you do the research, you will find that the, the word culture refers also to your belief, to your idea, your way of thinking, your worldview that is developed from things. And so culture, when we have experienced um, the, the culture of poverty right, that it, it has an effect and that f- effect is internally in our hearts. In our, I realized that the last time, uh, it was two, two Sundays ago when I ministered the word and as we went into that, the mental poverty, the deep thought, the experiences, <coughs> excuse me, and, and was talking about Uh, blind Bartimaeus, the garment that we put on, right? And that we had to take off. Uh, Was there there anybody in house church that dared to ask the question, uh, what garments do you see? (laughs) Uh, There was a a fearful question, right? To allow people to tell you, what do we see? Right? Um, And because the garment was talking about things that internally we clothe ourselves with. That other people can see that you're sometimes not aware. Right? And that's why some a simple example is if, if you are uh, afraid and timid and insecure, um, people will not notice you. You know, people just sometimes walk past you. And you're like, it's just it's because of what you have experienced. It's what's on the internally, how you are clothed. And blind Bartimaeus had to throw off the garment, right? Cast it away. And so the culture of poverty has a way of putting things into us, clothing us with a certain way of behavior. And, and these are the things that we want to now you know, expose and get rid of, right? So, poverty works itself into your mind, your attitude and emotions causing certain behaviors, right? Poverty works itself into your mind, your attitude and emotions causing certain behaviors, right? So, uh, culture a culture comes into existence because of a people right people produce culture but once culture is established it re- the culture reproduces after its its kind and then it becomes it can become generational okay we're going to go to scriptures just now Every time I start this mission I have to say we 're going to go to the scriptures just now because <laughs> it 's not my normal modus operandi right <laughs> right so it becomes then generational and you know when you when you read a book from Caroline Leaf, which is which talks about neuroscience and the way in the That the way that people thought in the past, where they said, you know, matter over mind. It's like, if that's the way you've always been, then that's the way you will always be. But then later on they discovered, no, truly, if you change the way you think, your brain starts to adapt and evolve and change and produce the right thought patterns so that you can change your behavior. Right? And so when you see that when you understand those things then you realize that that even though culture of poverty can become generational until we become aware of our thoughts it's then that we can begin to say no right no that is not the way that i am going to think i am going to think differently and i'm going to start breaking the habits the patterns That reproduce the same poverty that I came from. Are you all with me? So, it requires, and this is where the Bible says, stand. You know, having done all to stand. The enemy comes in. You know, he roars like a lion and he's talking and he's saying things. But you have to stand. You have to resist. So that you don't go in the path that he wants you to go. Are you all with me? Okay, right? So, some of the, the the things that come from cultural poverty, you know, or we're in an environment of poverty, you know, people have large families. Let me just, allow me to give, me, give you these things. Large families in a small home. You have four or five people living in one room, right? It, it becomes a norm. It becomes a norm. Uh, you you would think that after someone has left that, that when they come into more physically, that that would have left them. But I have found in working with people that that, that habit of having four or five people living all together, you know, and you know, in one room, that even when they get more, they're still living that same way. How many people in a room, because, because even though you've come physically out of poverty, to a measure, you find that because poverty has left itself into your heart, you'll find that even coming into physically more, that you are still, still living a way that were, you were forced to live in. Right? Are you all with me? Okay. So that's in cultural poverty or environmental. There is that large families in small homes. We gather to survive. It's a way, right? We gather to survive. We are afraid of tomorrow, and therefore we zula. Okay. As anti so zula. <laughs> we zula, right? Okay, you understand that. We, we make a way. And sometimes one of the hardest things in Christ and in your journey with God as your Father, you are learned to cast your burdens upon Him, right? A different way. Okay? So then there is disorderly, unorganized, right? And I have seen it. I've seen people come physically into more. Yet, when they had a lack physically, there was a disorderly a life that was unorganized, disordered. Things just lie wherever. It's just what's the word in English for diamacar? Chaos, right? But when God comes on the scene, what does He do? He brings order. Genesis 1 verse 2, right? And the earth was without form and void, right? The word form there, it had no shape, it had nothing, there was chaos. But when God comes, He begins to bring order, right? God is a God of order, right? And so we, ha- we lived physically in a place where we had lack and we experienced, and then we, it, you know, we were forced into it. Okay, when you were there. You were forced. On whatever level of poverty you found yourself, you were forced into that. Right, so disorderly, unorganized, messy. Feeling, uh, then there's also the feeling of insignificant. Right? You feel like you're not a person uh, of influence. You don't feel important. You don't feel worth. Right. So whenever you come into a crowd, a people, you feel the smallest there. Right. You feel like the person that has no value amongst these people. And you know when Sean said the marginalized. Right. The, those are the people who are brought down to insignificance. No power. No influence. No poor people of no worth in society, the way we look at it. Are you all with me? These, And then, I have, I've found that even in poverty, we're going to get to the scriptures just now. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to get there just now. I found that, that poverty, uh, it, it came to me after the two Sundays ago, our session that we had, and I went home, and then I was still meditating and thinking, and I realized that and when i thought about it and the different people that we you know you've worked with and so on poverty puts pain into you right it pains you it wounds you it brings bitterness a bitterness of life right it it brings a hardness to you and and so when you have people that have experienced the physical poverty lack on whichever level, right, um, it, there is a hardness that comes to you because of the bitterness of life, right, how hard life is, and it, and it puts pain right there into you, and that is in the heart, and it controls you, it, 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 it does that, it, it, really, it really has a effect. I have I've seen how people uh, have wept because of life that is difficult. And, and so we, we experience these different things. Um, then you have a beggarly mentality, right? And you will find that these things can, again, if you come physically out of it, right? And you are put into situations uh, those mentalities surface. Because right. one of the words for poor, definition for poor, is beggar, Right? That way of thinking. You have a strong focus on your current situations. Right? You are forced by physical poverty. You are forced to think on the now. Right? think Even though we are working for tomorrow. We are working for tomorrow. But when we say that you don't think about tomorrow, we say we you don't think so much about the future. Right? Of where you want to be. You don't think about those plannings and those things. You are just my current situation. Right? And I told you that. That people that experience poverty, um, the majority it's not it's not the that it's like that throughout the bench, right? but the majority have no desire for knowledge. they don't have a desire for knowledge because they they are in a situation, okay so I'm not doing a blame shift or anything. I'm just explaining the situation. They are in a situation. They have needs. They need it now. They need it to be met now. They are focused and they are forced to think on now. Not on. Right? Okay. And then uh, a, a last one that I'll list is addictions. It also causes addictions because we need coping mechanisms. We need things to cope that help us to cope with where we find ourselves. And so we could go into drinking, we could go into drugs, we can go into sexual behaviors and so on, because we need something to cope, right, to help us to get our minds off so that we don't constantly live in anxieties and fears that that are taking a hold of us all the time. Okay? Are you all with me? So, I won't go into more, but that's just kind of an example of the culture of poverty that we can, that can be developed when we are forced, right? When a group of people are forced, you know, to be, they are marginalized, they are brought down because of things that have happened and so on, that brought them, and then they need to Cope, and so that they develop a certain way and behavior so that, they can, so that they can deal with where they find themselves and cope and survive. Okay. So let's go to Exodus chapter 1 and verses 13 to 14. Exodus chapter 1 verse 13 to 14. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, right? Rigor, uh, that means hardness. Life was hard, difficult. And then it says, They made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor, right? So, while it may not emphasize the word poverty, what I want you to see is that physical circumstances put things internally into us. And so with their life became, they were, they were forced to serve with rigor, with hardness, difficulty. Life was difficult and it made their lives bitter. You know, life can have a Taste to it. Liver is bitter. Right? Tough, difficult. And one of the meanings for the word bitter is a word vex. Right? And the, and the word vex means to be troubled continuously. Right? Have you, have you experienced that where? Over and over and over, the thing just remains, the trouble, the difficulty is there and it vexes you, vexes your soul, troubles your thinking, your heart, your emotions, your soul, consistently, daily, right? On different levels of poverty, situational poverty can, you might come into a situational poverty. Situational poverty is when you had a good salary, you earned a, uh, a good job, um, you paid everything, and then all of a sudden something happens. You know, you had a job where, um, like, like Dale, you work with your hands and your hands got chopped off, God forbid, right? <laughs> it may never happen to you. And all of a sudden you can't use your hands. How this was your way of income. Now all of a sudden you... How do you earn? Right? And, and so, in that, there is other ways, but in that moment of pain and difficulty and loss and trauma, you are forced to think. Right? Not outside of the box, but where you find yourself. So you are kind of, in a sense, blinded to the different opportunities of making finances. Right? Even though you don't have your hands, but, in that you come into a place and now you come into a lack. Now you are being marginalized in your life. You are brought down. Your life is going downwards, not upwards, right? And so in that, there's a, that is what you call situational poverty. Okay? You can go do your own research uh, just to make sure. That's called situational poverty. And when you come into that, We don't know how long that will take. How long will it take you to come over your traumatic experience? How long will it take you to find healing, to open your mind and to get free internally? The longer it takes, right? The longer your physical poverty persists and continues. Now you become vexed, right? And life becomes hard, tough and bitter. Depends on how long it takes. And this is, the, this is why you must appreciate the word repentance. Because repentance is the game changer. Repentance is the one that says it's time to let go. It's time to change the mind. It's time to open. It's time to open yourself to new possibilities. And not be blinded by where you find yourself. Are you all with me? Okay. So what you see is that physical circumstances, right? Don't underestimate your past experiences that you had physically of difficulty and hardships. Because if you were not aware, you would never have realized that your physical circumstances put something into your heart. And while you may not be there physically, yet you still have it internally. In the heart. Right? Are you all with me? This is why the Bible says when Israel came out of, of, um, of Egypt and bondage and they crossed the Red Sea, what was the first place they went to? What was it called? Mara. What does it mean? Bitterness. Why? You are out. Life was tough. Life made it bitter. Now you are out of your bondage, your slavery, your physical circumstances. First place, Mara. What must we do here? No, let's deal with what is in the heart that came from where you were. And so, bitterness was there. But when they crossed the Red Sea, what did they do? They sang, they praised the Lord... You know, Miriam took the harp and sang the beautiful song, The Lord has delivered me, and the Lord has da-da-da-da. Right? You didn't have a work for five years. Gave your heart to all of a sudden you got a job. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But you don't know that for five years, something was being put into your heart. And while you are now praising the Lord and thanking Him, a couple of months down the road... That bitterness inside will trouble you. Will begin to trouble you. It is not people that are troubling you. It is what's in you that's troubling you. That's why repent. Repent. It's not people that are troubling you. It's what's in your heart. ...that is troubling you. That's making it difficult for you. Right? It's what's in the heart that makes it feel for you... ...that you are not worthy. That you are of no worth. That you feel insignificant... ...even though you have more. You know, we we, we have coping mechanisms. When we are physically poor... ...and we come then physically into more and where we felt always insignificant and not worthy because of, in, in the people and the crowds we came because of the, the type of clothes we were. So we, what do we do? We, we dress better. There's nothing wrong with dressing better, but if something is driving it that came from a past experience, it's only taking you to the other side The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. In other words, you were in this physical ditch, where you felt physically. Physically, it made you feel unworthy. Then you came physically into more. But because you didn't deal with your heart, you went to the other side of the ditch, and dressed yourself better, not knowing you were creating pride. Right? And I say that the path that God takes you on is a path of delivering your soul from the things that you have experienced. And so, what you need to do is you need, to f- you need not to focus on people. You need to focus on internally. What is there? Where did this come from? Okay? Okay? So, tell the person next to you, it's your heart that's troubling you. Tell the person it's what in your heart that's troubling you. Ask the person, what garment do you see? Oh. But don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. Right. Right. Someone asked me that question two weeks ago. I said, okay. And when I started answering the questions, things surfaced, right? And it's like, we didn't even know when we started the conversation where it would end up. And lo and behold, we ended up a place that we would never thought, right? But it triggered something, right? Um, so, right, so, listen to me. The culture of poverty forces itself into you. It forces itself into you. Even if you leave that place, escape the physical culture, poverty is journeying with you in your heart. Right? Okay. So let's go to Proverbs 23 verse 7. Proverbs 23 and verses 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He says, eat and drink, he says to you. But his heart is not with you. Let's yeah, yeah. But inside is, here So what is he saying? He's saying it's actually how you think in the heart. You can pretend. But what is in the heart is who you are. So if you experienced poverty on different levels, physically, come out of that physical poverty, but it put itself into your heart. It's how you think in the heart is who you are. That's why in one of the, I think in the first session where I said, if you live in a ghetto long enough, you become the ghetto boy. The reason I say that is because the ghetto is now in you. It's the way you think. Right? And unless you embrace repentance, repent, change of mind, change the way you think, change of heart, you will not escape it internally, even though you have escaped it physically. Right? The ISV says it this way: As he thinks within himself, so is he. Okay? So, the heart and the mind is a place that controls behavior. How one feels and thinks about himself. Okay? So, Matthew chapter 15 and verses 18. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18. We, we sometimes underestimate the effects of the physical difficulties we went through and many times we seek to escape them physically and when we do escape them physically we think it's over it's not over what was left in you from what you experienced you say but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man, right? Basically, what he's is saying is what's going on inside, as a man thinks in his heart, this is really who he is. Right? And so one of the, I always say one of the, one of the greatest transformations you need is not the physical one first. You need a transformation of your internal man your soul be transformed right by the renewing of your mind okay i remember i remember back in the days when when constantly we had financial challenge constantly when we had constantly financial challenges there was a need but the lord constantly met those needs and I feel confident to say, even though the Lord used people to meet our needs, even though we had constantly um, experienced the need for more, because back then we would love week for week, right? But my, as I said to you before, the Lord trained me to not to worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself. So I had to learn to love with what I had at the moment and use it. And then when it's over to realize that there is a father that will provide more for tomorrow. Okay. Now I'm not saying that's how you must live with your salary. Okay. I'm just telling you that experience. But in that, this is the, this is the, the beauty of going through your difficulties in a way that you use them to allow God to produce the change in you. One time the Lord said to me, you can become bitter or better in the storm. (laughs) So, will you become bitter or better? But the only way you can become better is when you use difficulties, as the means for God to transform you internally. But when we go through difficulties, what do we do? We complain, we murmur, we and in doing that we make ourselves experience bitterness, right? We go through a bitterness that happens to us. So there is a way, but if we don't allow the difficulty to transform us, we will only become bitter. Right? And so in those days, I constantly had to say, but there is. When I saw that there was not, when I saw physically that it was not enough for tomorrow, I had to tell myself, but there is. I don't know where it is, but it is. Driving the car, driving out there uh, from Meerser, the home, driving down the street, going to town, and, and then I would get that unction to say, but is is right, Right? Training yourself to think differently. Right? And, by the grace of the Lord, up until today, we don't have debt that's accumulated for because we haven't paid something for how many months we paid them every month there were one or two months where it, there wasn't payment right and so on but those things have all been dealt with and finished and, and the faithfulness seeing the faithfulness of God coming through every day when you use that you are busy changing the internal man to think differently and this is this is because heat makes you pliable right we can we can mold you now right heat makes it that god can shape you right Uh, produce in you the person that he wants but you gotta choose to become better right um, Jesus left us that example. Okay, so when we, when we, when what happens in the heart that came from the different types of poverty, when we haven't dealt with that, to a measure you are still experiencing it in your your behavior, in the way that you respond to little circumstances and situations that are not devastating to you. Are you all with me? It manifests, right? Um, you know, um, tomorrow, even though you have more than where you were before, it's still manifesting, revealing itself. Okay? Are you all with me? So, Let's go to Luke chapter 15 and verses 11. So so the this is where I say it's an this is where we have an orphan heart. An orphan heart is someone that provides for himself, okay? Zula for his survival, right? he he, he protects himself. He defends himself, right? Because he doesn't have, he provides for himself because he doesn't have somebody to do that, right? And even though we may have parents, right? This is, this is why my father in the faith said, even though you have a spiritual father and a physical father, biological father, Unless you know God as your Father, that orphan heart will not be broken. It is only God the Father that breaks that. Right? It's only Him. It's Father's Day. Right? It's only the Father, God the Father, that can break the thing in your heart in a moment in an instant that can install something into you that, 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 that may take maybe years to think. It's like, it's like downloading a software on your phone or on your computer, right? Or an app on your phone. So that the computer can do certain, well not the the phone can do certain things that it didn't do before. Right? It's when we talk about the spirit of the father, we are talking about something that we receive in the heart. Then now, it's almost like the hard drive that controls, that can break something in an instant, in a moment. Are you with me? Okay. So, let's go to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, A certain man had two sons. The story of the prodigal son. Right? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Next one. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in lack. Right? So, the. Where's that? Just go back, please. 14. There came a famine. The word for famine means scarcity. You know, there's a thing such as scarcity mindset. You know what a scarcity mindset is? You always see that there's not enough. That's the only thing you can see. You cannot see that there is. It's a scarcity mindset. Right? Now, you may be better off physically, but once your salary for some other reason is finished, what, what happens? Where are we going to get it? That thing kicks in. Scarcity mindset. Right? The word for famine means scarcity. Okay? And he began to be in lack. So what's happening to him? He's being pushed down. Right? Go on. Verses 15. And when he, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Right? Why would he make himself a citizen? He's looking for provision. He's looking for access to things. You know, why do you marry someone from another country so you become a citizen so you can do certain things so that you might get a job that, you know, like... If you're not a Namibian, you might not get a job easier. It might be difficult to get a job, right? So why would you join yourself to someone so that you become a citizen? Is so that you can have access to benefits, right? And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Famine, scarcity. He came into lack. What is poverty? Lack, right? the poverty is no food no drink it's difficult to get it right and no one gave him anything to eat right he's busy experiencing poverty the next one verse 17 but when he came to himself he said how many of my fathers hired servants have bread enough To spare and I perish with hunger. He's experiencing poverty. To measures, it's coming to him. Right? He's gradually going deeper and deeper. And he says, But in my Father's house, there is bread enough. Now, I know this thing has a physical and a spiritual application. Right? But let's just look at the physical side. Right? And so there was a hunger. Right? Verses 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Worthy. I am no longer worthy. See? What's happening to his emotions, his self-image. Look at the way he talks. Look how poverty is affecting his behavior and his speech, how he feels and thinks about himself. Right? It's affecting him. Right? And he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Right? And when you go through, like, when you experience poverty on different levels, you know, it, it has an effect on it. I mean, imagine you, you have everything now that you're there, know, and now you lose Your car and your house, you're gonna be embarrassed. You're gonna feel shame. You're gonna feel, you know. Now, look, we're talking about poverty. There's other things that can also do that. Okay? Right? So, make me one of your hired servants, right? I don't cut the bar. I am not worthy. I don't even, I shouldn't even be a son, you know. You know what I did and how I messed up and all those things. Make me one of your hired servants. Okay, let's read on. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, This is the first supply of the father. The first provision of the father is that this son who feels unworthy, compassion, ran on his neck, kissed him, said, showed him, you are worthy to be my son. Showed him love, compassion, brought this kind of experience. He, he was breaking it internally. By him bringing this compassion and this love of the Father, right? Um, why he might have been expecting um, something else, so that's why he already prepared his answers, you know, in case we get to the dialogue of "Nema Jayat, Suhamak and yeah, you know, all those type of things, right? But there was compassion, provision for the unworthiness. Next one. 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay? Verse 22. Before he could mention, right, then make me one of your hired servants. But the father said to his servants, he interjected in me, interfered with the rest of the conversation. Right? Right? right bring out the best robe, Dr. Sege says. Dr. Segi says, one of the preachers that we, uh, that we know, says that when the father ran to the son, it's like he was breaking a law, because in their culture, you shouldn't have done that. He broke culture. He ran to the son. Said, you know, speaking to him, right? Bring out the best robe. Poverty, you struggle clothes. What's he doing? He's clothing him. Next provision, clothing him, right? Putting on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Clothing his son. The father brings provision, right? He brings provision. Twenty three. And bring the fatted calf here. And kill it and let us eat and be merry. Let us celebrate the coming home of my son. Let's jabula. Right? Let's, let's party. Let's show, this, let's show this son of mine we are happy his home. Right? Let's show him. Right? Let's give him something different. Okay? Let us eat and be merry. Okay? Verses 24. And for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry oh we are so joyful that you are home right so can you see that the father is someone that deals with poverty immediately it can be done immediately We don't need to wait for years. Immediate. Immediately He can break something in you. Immediately He can, right, separate you from something that's within you, that has been there for how long? If you can, if you can open your heart and not be defensive this morning, if you cannot, you know, if you can humble yourself, you know, like the prodigal son said, Father, I will go back. He came to his said, You can just open your heart and allow the spirit of the Father to come into your heart. It can break it in a moment. In a moment. In an instant. Right? Instant provision. Instantly. Right? Are you all with me? Okay, go with me to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter six, from verses twenty twenty five, verse twenty five. Uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to read it all. But this is the this is the part where this is the part where Jesus talks about. You know, don't worry about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, know about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing, right? He's already saying, genoeg. right He's, But as he goes on, he says, "Don't consider the ravens, how they you know, sow not, reap not, neither create storehouse nor barn and uh I learned all those scriptures and experienced them practically. Right? You know the bank account, the storehouse doesn't have enough for the rest of the month. Right? But, right, what what happens here, He says, Yet your heavenly Father feeds. Right? He feeds them. The Father feeds them. Jesus was introducing us to the Father. The Father feeds. Right? And are you not more? Are you not of more value? Worth. Okay? how In the world, how do they determine your worth? They check your net worth. <laughs> right? How many companies you have? Um, how many shares, uh, cars and houses and, you know, money in the bank account and all these things and determine your net worth. Okay, like um, what's his name from Tesla? Elon Musk. Musk. He's got very little money in his bank account. But he's got, because he's got shares and so all over the place, he's one of the richest men. Net worth, right? Okay, but the father says you are of value. He already has your worth. He already has your value. In his heart and in his eyes. The way he looks at you. Right? Versus. And let's go on. You know, and then he talks about. Then he talks about. Uh, consider the lilies. Right? They sow not. Or, or or consider the lilies. How they grow. They toil not. Right? All these type of things. And he says. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these lilies. Right? Shall your father not clothe you? Provision. And then, he says, if God so clothe the grass of the field, surely shall he not clothe you in this life? Provision. Who breaks poverty? The father. Who breaks poverty? The Father. Who breaks it in the heart? The Father. Wie het nou geweet, ons gaan oor ompraat vandag, op Father's Day. Open yourself, I can sense the Holy Spirit. Open yourself. Open yourself, I can sense the Holy Spirit. Open your heart. It's one of those days where you must cry like blind Bartimaeus. Lord, pass me not by. Right? I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants. How is He going to do it? What I, I'm not going to determine. But I, I can sense. I sense Him. Open yourself. Right? So how much more will He not clothe you? Oh, you of little faith in the Father. Right? And and so, what we see is that the Father, He breaks poverty. Right? Let's read another uh, scripture Romans chapter 8, verses 15. So, there is something that you must receive, receive, receive. Right? Because when you have a father, all the things you experience through poverty, I don't feel worthy, I can't meet my needs, the lack, this and that, and not loved and alone and so on. All those emotions, the fears that you have about tomorrow and so on. All those fears that are there, right? There is one, one person that can break it. The father. The Father. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. There is an awareness in the heart that must come of the Father. Right? So many times we focus on, we are a son, we are a son, we are a son. But really to be a son, it is the awareness of the Father. When that awareness of the Father that comes into you, that, that can... Right, because in the heart, in the heart is really who you are. But when the spirit of the Father, that, that belonging, that love, that I am here, the provision, when it's in the heart, right, then there is freedom. No more that fear. Right? Give me Galatians chapter four. And we're gonna end off now. the lake of can Galatians chapter four, verses six. Oh let's let's start from verse five. And he says to redeem them that were under the law. That, he, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Into where? Into where? Into your hearts. Crying. Abba. Father. And because it went into your heart. There is something that happened. Verse 7. Wherefore you are no more a servant. You don't need to work for the love you don't need to work for the acceptance you don't need to work for the provision even though you should work normally naturally you work but there is awareness that while i work i know i have a father that's got my back i don't need to work right i'm no longer a slave to fear to the bondage of fear but a son The verse talks like it's instant. Instant. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It is not something then that will happen. It is, I am a son. I am an heir. He is my Father. Tell the person next to you, God is your So I want to end off with a story. Tell us <laughs> story. End off the a story. Many years ago when I was listening to my father in the faith, Tamu, um, on this subject on sonship. And he was telling a story. Okay. I don't have the... It was many years ago, so I might get the story a little wrong. So, here and there, but I know the crux of the matter. And he's telling a story of a pastor who comes into his office to come have a conversation with him. And this pastor comes and he starts talking with Tamu and they have this conversation of, you know, how difficult life is. Smulek. could really see that that um, it's better, yeah. Life, it's that lack, that just not making it tough. Things that need to be paid have not been paid for months. Um, so he comes in. On, on top of that, you know, you, you try to keep yourself together so that You don't wanna you really know eight bars because you know unfortunately some man can't do it. you know pastor position Okay? And he starts explaining and explaining talking about all his difficulties although he's he was not yet aware of all Thomas was not aware of what's going to happen to him once that guy leaves the meeting. And and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says to him, this man is an orphan. I remember, he's a believer, Christian. And the Holy Spirit says, this man is an orphan. Where? It's in the heart. And he's so he thinks, Why he can't tell him, you're an orphan. You know, so he says, he stops him and he says, you know what? I want you to repeat after me. And he says, okay. He says, say, I am a son, and God is my father. And the guy says, oh, okay. I am a son, God is my father. He says, say it again. The guy says it again. He says, Say it again. He says it again. Later on, he starts feeling awkward, you know. He'll tell you, I am a son and God is my father. He feels awkward and all of a sudden, he starts weeping uncontrollably. It's just, he can't control himself. And hey, he's weeping and he's weeping and he's weeping. And when, when eventually, and, and it's, it's that type of weep, you know, it's coming out of the nose, it's, it's, we are as deep as he saw. Right. And then all of a sudden it stops and Okay. Right? And 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 then the Holy Spirit says to Tamu that envelope in your safety is for him. And he thinks ma okay? But he knows that envelope was was thick. he goes and he takes the envelope says, yeah, I give this to you. The conversation ends. The man walks out. It's now months later. Taumu is at one of the conferences and all of a sudden, he's now, he's finished the conference and here comes this man up to him. And this man talks to him and he almost... Couldn't remember him, he said, Do You remember I came to see you. He said, Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. And then he tells him the testimony, he gives him the testimony. He says, You know what? That day when I came to you, I was ready to give up. He said that day the bank had told me they're going to take my car because I haven't paid for months. He said that money that you gave me was the exact amount I needed. For my car. The exact amount. And he says. And he says. Before that the ministry was just. Nothing was happening. There was no money. For anything. He said. But since that day. I've been getting calls. From all over. I'm flying. To other nations. To go and preach the gospel. All of a sudden, you say, life just all of a sudden just turn completely around. in a moment, in an instant, when you do not harden yourself, but just open yourself to receive that the spirit of the Father breaks the heart. Of an orphan. Jesus said when I go. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Right? He is the one that breaks. The orphan heart. Let's stand. Just close your eyes. Because since. Since. How the Holy Spirit is just working, just talking. I'm inviting you today to receive the Spirit of the Father. The Bible says the Spirit spreads the love of God into our hearts. He breaks fear.